Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you can always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. Thanks very much guys and let's get into the episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Understeer Podcast. Today we have Tinnis from TF1 Show. Tinnis, how are you today? I am very well. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to, to chat to you today. No problem. That is a pleasure having you, pleasure having you. But um, if anyone that doesn't know already, uh, what do you do over on TF1 Show on YouTube? So it's, it's a podcast where I do various things, discuss all things F1 basically. So do typical race reviews after races, discuss the driver market, discuss sort of teams and what they're up to and the decisions they make. So anything that touches Formula 1, I, I typically like to talk about. Awesome. So I'll leave all of Tennis's uh, links down in the description so that make sure you do go and check them out after you've finished listening or you get bored. But uh, today we're going to be talking about sort of it's what they like to call a silly year, I believe. Um, a silly season. Yeah, silly season. Uh, we have many driver changes, all the contracts running out, all that kind of thing. Going to be talking about sort of driver changes, possibilities. Obviously, we, we, we've seen a lot already. Um, and we can, you know, talk about if it's the right move. So for, we'll start with the, sort of the first team that comes to mind here, Alfa Romeo. So you've got Kimi Räikkönen in there currently and Antonio Giovinazzi. Do you think this is Kimi's last season or do you think it's worth keeping him on for his experience in a car? He's always quite good at getting the most out of a car. So so this is a tough one, right? Because let, let me let me say it's maybe like a head versus heart thing here. Because, and maybe in the wrong way around it that people would expect, because like I know people love Kimi and they find him funny and they think he's like such a such a hallmark of the sport. I personally appreciate him as a driver. However, as a character, I'm sort of indifferent. So mm. if he had to leave the sport, I won't be heartbroken. I mean, he's now driving for how many years? Almost two decades. I do feel, you know, if if you if you look at Alfa Romeo in terms of them being a bit of a feeder team to Ferrari and the fact that they're all sort of interlinked, and then if you consider the really really strong juniors that Ferrari has, I would say there's an argument to make to to let Kimi go at the end of the year. I guess it's also up to Kimi to an extent. However, you you do you do get the feeling though that he's doing this. Because he loves it, right? Because he loves the driving yeah. part of it. But I also think if he didn't have the drive anymore, I don't think he'd be devastated. Mm. I don't know. I might be wrong. But I, I that's just sort of the, the feeling that I'm getting about Kimi, where I think there are people that want that seat more than he does at the moment. I think he I think he still showed anywhere when he renewed his contract. When he went to Alpha, he took a big, big pay cut. Um, yeah. And he, he does care quite a lot about money. So I think he did show that he does still have the passion. But also, this is quite... A, Hotly debated uh, topic. So obviously we have the one Ferrari seat in Alfa Romeo that is currently occupied by Antonio Giovinazzi. Due to the huge uh, amount of talent in that Ferrari driver academy at the moment, you've got the likes of um, Schumacher, 
Who else is in? Is it Dallas Ross in the academy? No, Schwartzman and Schwartzman. Armstrong yep. and Callum Eilert. So like, it's like four class drivers already just in Formula 2 mm. that, that, that I would say has like a, an argument to make for, for an F1 drive. So it's a toughie. And I would also say, just thinking like, you know, Giovinazzi, Alfa Romeo, if, if you think about Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi, apparently... Right, Giovinazzi is actually quite brilliant at sort of the simulator work and and the, and and sort of the development work. You wouldn't like, have thought. Yeah, but I wouldn't have thought like that. Ferrari Ferrari loved him when he was sort of their test simulator driver. Apparently, the feedback that he gave was really really positive, and it helped them sort of work on on. Uh, I I remember the twenty is a twenty eighteen car that was so good, mm. like the 2017, 2018 car that the Ferrari. That's that's the one that Giovinazzi helped with a lot. So to me. The thing is, I guess Alfa Romeo needs to make a decision between experience versus versus um, fresh blood. Because yes, Kimi has that experience, and he, I guess, does does have a lot of For sure. knowledge about setting up the car and developing the car. But then, in the same breath, I mean, he's now been at Alfa. This is now his second year, and that you can't really say that car has taken leaps forward, mm. right? It's gone like, I, I wouldn't say that Kimi Raikkonen has put his stamp on, on that team and has really pushed that team forward in the mm. way that I guess they would have wanted to. Mm. So that's why I have my reservations, I'd say, about Raikkonen for next year. Um, so do you think Giovinazzi, obviously we saw he had a bit of a poor start to the season, I think where Kimi was pretty much dominating him uh, sort of in the first half of the season before the break, but then... He came back after the break, sort of a different driver. He was, you know, he, he finished the season ahead of Kimi. He was picking up points in virtually every race. He's got two points, I believe, so far this season um, to Kimi's zero, even though Kimi's had a couple of poor issues. But do you think that Giovinazzi's unfortunate in the in the way of, because of that wealth of experience and that wealth of talent that's in the driver pool that all... Um, Snatching at the bit to um, try and to try and get that seat so that they can prove themselves like a Leclerc. I I wouldn't say it's unfortunate. I just think Giovinazzi, and it's a bit of maybe a weird comparison, but he reminds me a bit of Roman Grosjean, just maybe with a bit less of an opportunity to really show how good he is. Mm. Where I think on his day he's actually a very fast driver, and I think he has shown that he's a very quick driver. But he's quite inconsistent. It doesn't seem like he has that ultimate concentration where sort of he can put everything together over a race weekend and make it work for him. Like every single race weekend, there's always something that trips him up, <laughs> obviously to varying degrees of severity. But it's either a penalty or it's a crash during practice or like he goes off during qualifying or he, like it's it's always something happening with Antonio. Yeah. And that's why I'm just thinking like, and I guess if you had to say Antonio eventually wants to have a shot at a Ferrari seat, I don't, I don't see it happening. And and I guess from Alpha's perspective, they also need to think, and Ferrari's perspective, if if he's in that seat, mm. they need to ask themselves, are we going to put Antonio in this car one day? And if you look at Antonio and if you look at the juniors that they have, my answer would probably be no. I would. I think you know, after. Sorry, I think after he. Um didn't get that Ferrari seat when Sainz was given the seat. Um, I think that was pretty much his only opportunity. And yeah. I, I don't... I think to keep his Formula 1 career... Uh, 
career alive, he needs to uh, he needs to probably move elsewhere, maybe a house or somewhere like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's exactly that. And to be honest with Giovinazzi, you don't really see him getting a top seat, and 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 that's unfortunate, I guess. But also, I mean, F1 is a tough place. It's a tough sport, right? Mm. I'm sure when we talk about some of the other drivers that still, you know, looking for a, looking for a seat, we we'd see more evidence of that. But yeah, to be honest, uh, I think I, if I had to predict, I would suspect Giovinazzi maybe keeps his seat still for another year. Raikkonen, I think, is more more of a toss up for me. So let's move on to our second team, which I'm just going to pull out of the bag. Out the other Alpha, Alpha Tori or Tauri, I think All it right. is. Um, obviously, they've got at the moment uh, Daniel Kvyat and Pierre Gasly. I think they're both interesting because obviously both of them have driven for Red Bull um, before with Fiat. Maybe uh, he was slightly unlucky to lose the Red Bull seat in the first place. Gasly, that he's suited to the sort of Toro Rosso, Alfa Tauri sort of car. Um, I could possibly see Kvyat more likely getting the Red Bull drive again, but I don't really see either of them having much of a chance of getting... Uh, that rebel drive. Um. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I think Kvyat, the thing is, I really, and it might sound harsh, but I do think they're keeping Kvyat around just until they get a junior that they want to put in that seat again. Mm. Because the, the problem for Kvyat is against, Al, they basically chose Albon over him for the for the seat last year. And Gasly has been comprehensively beating him ever since. Yeah. So I don't really think there's much of an argument to make for Kvyat at this point, given Albon and Gasly. And obviously Gasly and Albon have their own sets of issues. But I'd say out of the three, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I'd say Kvyat is probably going to be the first one to go if if Red Bull decides that be so. And I guess that's also slightly dependent on what their juniors does in Formula 2 and um, what's his name, Yuri Vips, who's driving Super Formula. Yeah. So I think it's more dependent on how they perform more than how I think Kvyat does, except if all of a sudden Kvyat lights it up for the remaining of the, for the remainder of the season and just outscores Gasly at every race. Because if we're looking at the Red Bull sort of academy, because uh, in F2 and F3, uh, I always see people, just not really about the academy, but I always see people commenting on YouTube videos like, oh, I didn't know Red Bull had an F3 team. No, it's the academy where <laughs> the drivers that yeah. really cheers me off. But uh, they've got, I think, Liam Lawson in F3 and, and F2. They've got a couple of other drivers, but off my head. And then F2, they've got Tsunoda and Daruvala, I think. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I'm not sure about, would they be the sort of drivers that Red Bull, obviously they say they're happy with Albon and um, Verstappen at the moment. But I mean, last year they said they weren't going to drop Gasly. So you don't really know, do you? Yeah, so Red Bull is, and I've been thinking actually about this today. I was thinking about the whole Red Bull situation because I can't remember where we spoke about, somebody spoke about Albon and Gasly. And I think uh, from Red Bull's perspective, it actually makes sense to keep Albon for next year still, even though, I mean, at the moment, Albon is still away off the pace. But I think the big difference between Albon and, and Gasly is he has maximized his points mm. in every race to an extent. It wasn't like where Gasly, like Albon, he struggles in qualifying a bit compared to Max. 
But where Gasly really started tripping up was where he got stuck like in sixth or seventh and like he couldn't pass the McLarens or the Renaults and it just became this mess mm. where Red Bull couldn't do anything with him strategy-wise because he was always so far behind and he was stuck in the midfield. Where Alman, like he's not on Verstappen's pace and I think he is a bit of a slower learner historically like we saw in F2 as well. I think if they give him the remainder of the year and really see what he can do next year, I think that might work out for them. So that's why I sort of logically would imagine Albon would stay in that seat next year. But then on the other hand, it is Red Bull, so they do ratchet things. In terms of the junior drivers, I think – so I actually don't know Tsunoda that well. So I follow Daruvula a bit, and I know Yuri Vips is very, very good. So out of those three – I would, and, and I guess also performance dependent for the remaining of the year, but I think if Red Bull wanted to, and it would make sense to me in my head to do it, is to get Eurovips in the car next year mm. in, 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 along, alongside Gasly and AlphaTauri. That, that to me would make the most sense. Interesting. But Never really yeah, thought with of Helmut Marco, yeah, I mean, who knows? The, th- the thing is about Gasly, I really... I know this was more of an outside shot, and I didn't think it was going to happen, but I thought that Renault would have considered Gasly more than they actually did, because I didn't really hear anything about Renault and Gasly. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I, I th- thought he was an outside, outside shot at that second Renault seat. I thought that he would have actually been a pretty decent French driver, French team, two French drivers in Esteban Ocon, and, um, uh, well, it would be Pierre Gasly, and... I think that the Renault car they could suit that around a Pierre Gasly sort of driver. I think they can. Yeah. They could definitely, um, not necessarily build it around him, but uh, sort of make it to suit him in a way. But um, who should we talk about? Let's talk about Haas next. So this is coming out on the Monday, uh, so after the race in Hungary. But um, we have got an episode coming out on the Friday before, which is. Mike from F1 Fanatics talking about the fall and rise, yeah, yeah, yeah. the rise and fall of Haas. So if you after this one, please do go and check that out. But we're talking about the drivers here, Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. Surely they can't retain the same driver lined up in twenty twenty one. Surely. No, I'm very sorry, but Roman Grosjean, you know the injustice of having Nico Hulkenberg sitting on the couch commentating on F1 and having Roman Grosjean in that car mm. makes me very mad because the thing is. People are always mean about Roman Grosjean, right? And then, you know, you always say, no, guys, but he's such a nice guy. And look at him trying his best. That's beside <laughs> the point, right? He's an F1 driver, and each and every weekend, he's reinforcing the stereotype about him. How is it possible to have so many accidents and you're an <laughs> F1 driver? Like, so many offs. You know how ridiculous it was? Like, I know it was wet during qualifying, right? During the, the, the Austrian or the Styrian Grand Prix qualifying. But... Literally, his first lap out, on the out lap, he was already off into the gravel. And I'm just thinking, literally, in your out lap, you have a couple of things to worry about, right? <laughs> you need to worry about getting your tires up to temperature. Yep. You need to worry about charging your batteries. Mm-hmm. And you need to stay on the track. And Roman Grosjean <laughs> couldn't manage one out of those three things. I don't think he also crashed under safety car in Baku as well. Yeah, I mean, that's so ridiculous. Like, that is even more ridiculous. I don't even want to talk about that because I feel that has been immortalized as a meme. So, I mean, over and above everything that, like that Baku incident, it's just every weekend, like, it crashed. 
how many times was he off in the first race in Austria? Mm. Like three times or four times? I don't know. Literally every time you see a yellow flag, the camera cuts to a, a cloud of gravel or cloud of dust. And then the Roman Grosjean's pass <laughs> appears out of the out of the out of the dust cloud. So, like, and I, I, it might sound harsh, but again, this is Formula One. It's supposed to be the twenty best drivers in the world, and I don't think Roman Grosjean is anymore. And he might he might have been at one point. Mm. I would fully agree that he was quite good on his day, but to have Grosjean in that car at this point, especially considering the incredible Ferrari juniors that are available, I think, if Haas wanted them. Yeah. I would be very surprised if he still has his seat next year. And um, with with regard to Magnussen, he still, every now and again, does put in a good performance, he's, I think. He's vaguely competent, if I'm... Yeah. I think he had he has a bit of that, you know, that Perez syndrome, where, yeah. like, similar to Perez, McLaren promoted him too early. And like he had a tough time there and then he got fired and then it was Alonso that came back and that whole mess. <laughs> and I do think that affected his reputation indirectly with like the teams, even though I really don't, can't say that Magnussen did a really like a particularly poor job in that McLaren that year. It just sort of, it, that's sort of how the cards fell for him. And I think he's still doing a decent enough job in the Haas. I guess we just need to ask ourselves, is that good enough for us? And 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 I'm not really. I don't really have that answer. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Nico Hulkenberg. He's un- undoubtedly a name. He's going to come up quite a lot uh, over the course of our conversation. But I read the other day that he and Hass were in conversation, but he wanted big wages, so Hass didn't want to pay the wages. So that's yeah. they pulled the plug because that was looking pretty probable at one point at the end of the season. And then I'm also seeing rumours, I think I read over the weekend, Hass being linked to Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> Could you ever see that happening? Because I don't think I do personally. No, no, I don't. The thing is, you need to you put yourself in Vettel's shoes, right? I mean, he has now, he's basically driving a hat, to be frank, this year. I mean, he's not going much faster than the hats at the moment. And it's and, and that's not what he wants, right? He's a four-time world champion, and I think also his character. Mm. I don't think he's that desperate to just to remain in Formula One just to drive at the back. Mm. I don't think that's sort of how he likes going about things. So I think even if 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 has offered him the seat, he probably would say no. I think um, we'll probably get into Sebastian a bit more. Yeah, you know, as soon as I've got another with, with team. Hass. I've got another team I want to mention about Sebastian Vettel. We'll get onto them. Later. Yeah, but like I just don't see it happening. I would again probably if I okay, let, let me maybe set out or lay out my ideal scenario with let's say the Ferrari engine teams. Yeah, I would get rid of Raikkonen and get rid of Grosjean. Mm-hmm. So then you have Magnussen and Giovinazzi in the two seats, and I would promote I two lot. Ferrari juniors into, into two of those seats. I don't know which ones yet because the thing is Eilert and, 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 and Schumacher and, and this is completely now just based on my logic so I know Schumacher is going to get into Formula 1 at one point because of his name but let's take his name out of the equation I would probably at this point if you just look at how the F2 season has started and if it continues in this way 
you're going to have to put Schwarzman and Armstrong in the two cars, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, I know Eilert, he's a good driver, but, I mean, this is his second bite at the cherry in, in F2, and already those two rookies have, like, it's it's like second nature to them. I mean, they're already yeah. competing at the top, which shows to me just they're going to improve more than what Eilert and Schumacher, they, I, I feel they're going to improve more than what those two are going to improve still with the experience that they have. So I would probably put... Schwartzman and Armstrong, one in the Haas, one in the Alpha, next yeah. to Magnussen and Giovinazzi. But I guess that's a pipe dream. So I probably expect Schumacher to get at that seat at some point, sooner rather than later. I think I was talking with uh, James Pull about sort of the how some drivers, especially between karting and F3 and even F3 and F2, how, or even F2 and F1, that they just suddenly excel in in maybe F2 or F1 because it's not always the best um, sort of the best marker because obviously it is a marker but he says it's not always accurate and he also said which I found pretty interesting that a lot of big teams don't actually pay that much attention to karting which I've actually found yeah. that quite interesting I didn't really think of that but yeah no it's really interesting and, and the thing is what should set red flags going off and again, it might sound harsh, but somebody like Jack Aitken, mm. like I just ask myself, is that guy going to make it into F one? He's been in F two for this is this has got to be his, his final third year, shot. right? It's got to be his final yeah. shot. He's got to w- be up there this year if he wants a shot. Let's move yeah, on. So that to me is the the thing with these drivers, and yeah. even though right Aitken might do really well this year, I'm going to ask myself: you have a shortsman that's already won an F two race in his second or third attempt yeah. in the wets. Difficult circumstances, right? Armstrong already has two podiums. Like, Aitken doesn't have one podium yet, and it's his third year in F2. Yeah. Then you start asking yourself, like, it's 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 a tough world out there, but, I mean, you have these really, really sort of special drivers come through one or two every year, mm-hmm. and then they are the guys that's going to make it through eventually. And it's interesting. That's why I'm saying, like, I'm worried about people like Aitken. And we saw with the freeze as well last year. Like, even though he won the championship, it was his third bite at the cherry. And then by that time, Went sort of his contemporaries e. like Leclerc and Albon have already made it through. Yeah. I'm looking at the Formula T table here. You've got Robert Schwartzman at the very top, 48 points. You've got Lundgaard, 43 points. They're both, are they oh, both Lundgaard rookies? Lundgaard is also excellent. And then about him. Callum Eilot is in third. And then all the way down the tree, you got in 12th, Jack Aitken P in uh, with only seven points. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's actually, it's it's just, and I know people are going to say no, but Aitken got really unlucky. And he has, he has been unlucky in, at times, right? But the problem for him is, I feel he doesn't put himself in a position to get lucky often enough, if, mm. if that makes sense. Yep. Where like, I mean, somebody like Schwartzman, he's just been so on top of everything. Like, he's always at the front of the pack. With a, if it's not, he's not on pole, right? But he's always starting like fourth, fifth. And then he sorts the races out for himself to finish on the podium every time. And that's just something Aitken hasn't been able to do. Like, he has the standout drives here and there, but he's not there every single race, be it like the feature race or the sprint race. So that's why I would say, like, even like even Islet and Schumacher to me are getting marginal now. Schumacher and Islet, Islet is actually doing okay. Like I have to say, I was like Schumacher's in tenth at the moment actually. He's yeah, like Schumacher, 14th. and obviously yes, the fire extinguisher went went off, right? 
but it's just not lighting it up in the way that, you know, if you think about the, the legendary Formula 2 or GP2 drives, if you think about Russell and Leclerc and, you know, even I know Van Dorn maybe isn't the best example, but those guys were on it. Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg, brilliant in F2. Yeah, and Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton, all of them. Like, they were never, they were always in the conversation for the championship from the first race. Yeah. Where it feels like somebody like Schumacher, we're all hoping for it to happen, but it's just not not quite happening, I guess. Carrying on with sort of F2 before we move on to the next team, we're looking at now uh, a couple of more names to just to pull out the hat here. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, um, or Zhao, I think, uh, he's been pretty unlucky this at the start of this season. I think yeah. I've, Dan Tickton, is there ever going to be a chance for Dan Tickton to move up? I, I guess it depends on Williams, right? Because now their juniors are it's Jack Aitken and Dan Tickton. I would and Nissani and Nissani. You're you're right, but then at the same time, if Mercedes doesn't promote Russell end of this year, and at this point, I mean after today, it doesn't sound like they're going to. Then Russell is another year as another year at Williams, and Latifi's dad basically bankrolled the team, so he's not going anywhere. Then where where do they go, right? Mm. It's it's a bit of a difficult spot for them. I mean, Tiktum and, and Aitken and Aitken made the conscious choice to move from mm. Renault, the Renault Junior Academy to to the Williams yeah. one. And I think in some ways it was a wise decision because I think, especially after how well Lundgaard's been doing now, he's probably would have been third on the picking order. Mm-hmm. And then at Williams, I mean, Tiktum is also doing quite well. I have to say, and see if if, if that persists, but. I, actually, for both of them, I don't really know whether there's going to be a shot. But let's just uh, let's move swiftly on from F2 to our next team. Well, we've kind of talked about them already. Do you think they'll be unchanged next year? Williams, Latifi, Russell, do you think they'll still be the same? I think so, yeah. I think if only if Mercedes gambled with, Rus- with Russell and promoted him, I think there would have been a change. Otherwise, or a Hamilton I, I really retirement. Don't think so. I mean, I don't see it, but a Hamilton retirement possibly. Yeah, but I, like I don't also don't see it. I think I think Lewis will probably stick around till the new regulations. I think mm. he and he said he said a couple of times actually that he really wants to have a go in the new cars. He really likes the look of them and sort of the 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 theory behind what they are supposed to be like. So I think Hamilton is going to stick around for another two years. Yep, at least. And. Um- so that's pretty much done with Williams. They're basically being uh, pulled along by the by their nails, uh, held on the cliff <laughs> um, by Latifi's dad. Um, he basically he basically owns the whole of the team's debt anyway. So it's going to be interesting if they say if they sack Latifi, and then he's probably going to rank up the interest. <laughs> exactly, and although they are looking for a buyer now, so I'm actually not 100% familiar with their whole financial situation or how they're structuring yeah. that whole story, but let's just say I think Lat- the Latifis have a big say in what goes on in that team. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure of it. Well, they did. They say, um, I'm sure that Toto Wolf also, he, I'm not sure if it was confirmed, but I read like a couple of weeks ago that he bought stocks in Williams to basically um yeah. for investment terms but I think that's just to save them from crumbling because he did initially pull his stocks out and we've also seen yeah. him invest in Aston Martin 
but uh, for investmental purposes, basically to save them because he wants Russell still in that seat. Exactly. Um, and I mean, Toto Wolf is like the Monopoly man of Formula One. Mm-hmm. So he has his finger in all of the pies. So he's also playing the long game. Then we move on to Renault. They're confirmed recently with Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. Uh, both, so Ocon's contract will run at, at, out at the end of the year. Um, not this year, but next. And yeah. Alonso supposedly on a two-year deal for those 2022 regs. Talking about, just quickly, just to quickly mention the 22 regs for Renault. Do you think that if Renault can't crack the 22 regs, do you think they'll... Obviously, this is the same with Haas. I don't believe they'll still be in the sport if they can't crack the 2022 regs. But for the same with Renault, do you think that their commitment, they'll question their commitment um, if they can't crack those 2022 regs? They're still at the back or going down? It's really tough because I think as a team, to hedge all your bets and say our future is dependent on whether we strike gold and basically outperform everybody else. Mm. I think that's not a good basis on which to sort of project your future plans, to be honest, if you're a Formula One team. I think what Reno needs to hope for, and I think, and I would imagine they would be pragmatic and say, obviously the 2022 regs are designed for teams to be closer together from the outset to, I guess, remove the the big financial burden teams are placed under if they want to perform well, and also to, I guess, promote closer development and and, and to prevent teams from just sort of baking in an advantage and keeping it for the remainder of of the regulations. Mm. But, like, the thing is, if if you are a Formula 1 team, you can't have that mindset of, if we don't win, we're out. And that's why I'm sort of struggling with the way, or, or at least with the noises that Re- that Renault is making, where they're sort of saying that, you know, obviously they're saying they're, they're, they're improving and this year is going reasonably well and next year will be reasonably good as well. Yep. But then everything is all about 2022. Mm. And like, that's just, I feel that's such an unnecessary pressure to place upon the staff. Do or die. Because, yeah, they're basically, they're basically telling you, everybody, if you don't, nail this right and they're up against incredibly strong teams and designers and engineers if those Renault engineers don't nail it it's basically tickets and i don't that doesn't make sense to me as a mission statement mm. so we talk about let's talk about a bit about the Renault team so obviously we've seen we've got at the helm currently for that season i believe will be Cyril beatable or squirrel whatever bullshit yes. or whatever his name is <laughs> <laughs> Um, is the king Est- of shade is what he is. I love Cyril. <laughs> Esteban Ocon and Daniel and Daniel Ricciardo. What am I on about? Fernando Alonso. All who have known or we know who are pretty toxic characters uh, in their own way. Yeah. I mean that sounds like the trifecta and a half. Like I mean that that's a risk. That sounds like a recipe for fireworks. Although. I do want to defend Esteban Ocon, and I am a defender of Esteban Ocon because I do think he has gotten a bit of a bad rep from from Racing Point days, but I don't think he was the root cause of all of that issues. I think it was Perez just as much as it was Ocon. Like Perez definitely fueled the fire as well. So I want to still give Ocon the benefit of the doubt, despite everything that happened. Mm. But I do agree with you that, I mean, we have the recipe or the makings of a... 
let's just say a fiery threesome with with Cyril and Alonso and Ocon. I think it, I think it'll be very very interesting to see how that how that plays out at, at Renault. Um, I also think that obviously it's been known for Fernando to kind of maybe not be the best at morale lifting for the members yeah. of staff, and that might not be the they might lose some really critical members of staff though because I if I was you know, a really important member of the team, uh, wanted by other teams possibly, and I'm thinking I'm not enjoying going to work. Well, obviously no one enjoys it, but as in it's not a happy place and there are moves elsewhere, then, you know, they might lose some critical people out there as a result of it. Because Alonso, I've heard some people saying, oh, there's not much pressure on the Alonso move, but I think that Renault have taken a punt on Fernando Alonso, that he's not going to be like... We've seen how he's fallen out of Honda, how they won't even let him drive a car with the Honda engine in it. Yeah. That would be a disaster if that happens with the Renault as well. Yeah, and what I don't get about Renault, and, and this is the thing where their decision-making doesn't make sense to me, because if I was Cyril Abitable, if I had to put myself in his shoes, I would say to myself, we are in a rebuilding phase, right? We want to steadily improve up until a point where we are very much competitive and at the front of the grid, similar to where McLaren was two years ago or three yeah. years ago. And what McLaren did is they basically put their trust in two relatively young drivers, one very young driver and one quite experienced young driver. And that immediately took the pressure off both the drivers and the team mm. because they didn't have this big ticket name with all of the publicity and the expectation, yep. they could basically go and plug away and get on with their work. Where And I would have imagined that's what Renault had to do as well. Yep. Because now they have Fernando Alonso in the car <laughs> and everybody's going to be looking at Fernando and is Renault going to give him the car that he so desired <laughs> after all these years? Yeah. Like you don't want that. You know, we just spoke about the fact that Renault already piling on the pressure for 2022. Now they have quotes coming out saying, yes, we're basically going to scrap 2021 with regard to Fernando. Fernando doesn't really care about 2021. <laughs> All Fernando cares about it's 2022. is 2022. And I'm like thinking, that's so, that's not the mindset you want. Mm. All you're doing there is setting up yourself to be disappointed, literally. It, it, it's like, do you remember last year and the, the French Grand Prix? And Renault was basically saying they are bringing these upgrades that's basically going to make, it's going to transform their car into they like a They kept bringing car, these big like, upgrades. And it, they were saying like they're bringing these upgrades and it's going to be like, it's going to be from the future, this car. It's going to be incredible. And then none of them worked. And then it was this massive buildup for, for weeks. Renault kept talking about the France upgrade. And then it was all broken. Nothing worked. And they were super slow. And like, I feel I'm just like so the worried Ferrari that that's what upgrade. they're doing again. Rather like the Ferrari upgrade that was brought um, forward to Styria and has made them actually slower on qualifying pace. But... I mean, between Ferrari and Renault, I mean, if you had to be a Ferrari and a Renault fan, you must be the saddest man <laughs> in the world, saddest person in the world. Because Ferrari, if they're like the, I mean, if Ferrari's the circus and Renault, Renault's the clowns, I would say. If like I, it's, sorry, if it's I, ridiculous. If I was Cyril Abitable, I'm, I'm looking at myself, I've got a bit of a free pass here. I've got a wealth of drivers in F2. I've got some drivers around also in F, uh, in F1 who might be possibly losing their seat. We've got some really, really talented young drivers here. I've got a whole season. I don't need to announce anything. Let's wait. Have 
discuss, yes. keep our tabs open. Let's see yes. how the super license points are going. But to know, she was like, hmm, let's put all the pressure I can on our team. Yeah. What do um, we need in this build up to success is Fernando Alonso, the man, yeah. the only man in history who has been able to alienate McLaren, Ferrari, Ferrari. Honda, and Renault previously. Yeah. And like that's that's quite a CV. Briefly before we move on to Ferrari, um, we've got I just feel Esteban Ocon, I feel like he's gonna be a bit of a loser from this situation because I don't think they'll renew his contract. I think they'll be keep Fernando will probably be like, oh what there'll probably be a bit of a tussle between those two and Fernando will be like, I run this team, I want another driver and then uh, Esteban's probably gonna be the big loser from this after being teammates with Danny Rick and um mm. now Fernando Alonso. But Let's move on to Ferrari, the team that clearly uh, have been cheating with their engine in 2019 um, <laughs> and are now ridiculously slow. Um, they got Carlos Sainz Jr. and Charles Leclerc with obviously Sebastian Vettel leaving. Um, you got Carlos Sainz must be looking behind him at those Ferraris and thinking, what am I doing? Why am I moving here? Like... I'm flying past these 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 bunch of idiots with this guy at the helm who Mattia Bonotto who's doing about three jobs at once. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a toughie to me because I hundred percent get why Science decided to do what he did. Like if Ferrari came knocking and you're an F1 driver, especially sort of around the age that Carlos is, I think that's a once in a lifetime yeah. opportunity and you should take it objectively. I think, I don't know whether he knew about the whole engine debacle. I suspect not. I don't think they would have told him. Like, I don't think they would like, so Carlos, very excited to have you. By the way, like, oh, you know engine is rubbish. we have this amazing engine and, you know, there, there was all these inquiries and in, then in, in technical directives and a whole like investigation and a whole sealed like agreement between us and the FIA. And yeah, long story short, our engine sucks. Like, I don't <laughs> think they told him that, right? No, they. I think he went in with the expectation that they're probably going to still be up there with, with the Mercs and the Red Bulls. I mean, I suspect Ferrari also still went in with that expectation. And then, I mean, many people were disappointed. That being said, I still think Leclerc and Sainz and that team is a very good long-term team that they can build with. The thing if, is, the thing if is, they play their cards right. Is that they've gone and said that actively that Sainz will be the number two role and Sainz has accepted that. But... From what I've seen of Signs nah. and from what I've seen of his character, I think it'll be all right for the first year, but after maybe the second, he'll start to want to fight. And it could end up in an interesting situation because we've obviously seen Charles Leclerc fall out with Sebastian Vettel, so he's clearly quite a stubborn character, is, uh, mm. is Charles. Um, it, it's difficult for yeah. me. It's difficult for me to sort of imagine and how it's going to play out because... I mean, you have Sainz and Norris, and they are very competitive, I think, with each other, but still have quite a good working relationship. Yep. So I see from that that pairing at Ferrari going in two directions. It's either going to go really well, and I really hope it does. I think it has the potential to be a very good driver pairing, or we have what we had with with Hamilton and Rosberg, which 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 would be less than ideal. <laughs> That's kind of. Uh... All I have to say about Ferrari, one thing I will mention is about Ferrari. You mentioned the uh, negotiations with Carlos Sainz. 
I've kind of uh, thought of something maybe a bit similar. It's like you're coming in as a CEO of, say, Costa, and you're saying, well, last year we got 150 million in profit. However, this year we're going to lose 300 million. Um, yeah, basically there was there was fraud, but not telling anyone. But we didn't sorry, claim any didn't tax. Take a in your profits. We didn't claim on tax. Um, yeah. But uh, let's move on to racing point. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy around uh, Renault protesting, everyone protesting uh, racing points um, when they've. Everyone knows the story. I don't need to explain it about what they've done. Funded by Daddy Straw Cash. Um, Obviously, you've got Lance Stroll and Sergio Perez in there. There's been a lot of... I think that there's quite a reasonable possibility of Stroll losing his seat this at the end of this year if he does not perform. And possibly we could see Sebastian Vettel come in or maybe even a Nico Hülkenberg. I'm not sure what you think. I agree with that 100%. I think Stroll is, is in a bit of an awkward position because obviously his dad owns the team, but... His dad has a big interest in the team performing well. And I would say even after watching, you know, the first two Grand Prix this year, Stroll has played an active role in underperforming, yep. in, in that team underperforming. I mean, what, Perez started on 17th and he finished, well, he would have finished fifth, if, if not for the front wing thing. Mm. But Stroll finished, what, three or four places ahead of him on the grid and he couldn't get past Daniel Ricciardo, <laughs> which to me shows... There's obviously, but Perez is a, is a class driver, you know, but let's, let's leave that, let's set that aside. I think 100% agree with you that I think somebody like Vettel or Hulkenberg could be tempted mm. to join the team. I think a Perez-Hulkenberg lineup would actually be a very good, strong team. And we've seen it at Force India back in the day, and they were a very good team. And I think they... Reunited. Overperformed. They overperformed in that force in year so often. I mm. think that they made that team look much better than what, what it actually was. And the problem, like the thing is, Stroll has a few fundamental things he needs to fix. Firstly, he qualifying. needs to do something about qualifying. I've seen tractors drive faster than Stroll in a qualifying lap, really. Like, Apart I don't from Monza, you, you, like you don't forget block. Monza. You've got to forget Monza. He must get into Key 3 and Monza. Yeah, like. I, I don't know, but Stroll needs to fix qualifying and he needs to, like, he can't sit back and wait for things to come to him, mm. which is what I think he did on, on, on Sunday, or the, or the steering Grand Prix, where he was sort of, he knew he had to pass the car and then just sort of expected Ricardo to get out of the way and he just didn't. Mm. And then I'm not going to talk about the overtake attempt because um, I might use language that's not appropriate for, for the internet. <laughs> It's fine, don't worry. But um, I think Racing Point, we've obviously seen that maybe budget might be an issue because obviously currently they've got two pay drivers, one very good driver and one funded by Daddy Cash. And <laughs> um, I think maybe the 2022 regs might be a focus point for Racing Point, but who knows. But let's move on to Red Bull. Uh, obviously, we've kind of talked about them a little bit when we were talking about AlphaTauri. Those two come hand in hand, even though AlphaTauri do want to uh, break off from the sort of Red Bull uh, B-team sort of tag. But um, Max Verstappen staying for certain. That he, unless the... I mean, if if Helmut Marko got what he wanted, he would one day be buried next to Max Verstappen. Yeah. Yeah, like, obviously. That would be his, his, his dream. I don't think we need to spend too much time in Red Bull... <laughs> Albon, he may go, he may not, but I think Albon, 
I think he's done a solid job. You know, he's been, he should have had the podiums. He's been pretty consistent. He said, apparently he's actually very, very good at the feedback, very good at the technical side. He's very loved, mm. he's loved at the team. So I think at the moment, if things stay as they are, Alex Albon would probably like a podium just to keep himself secure. But I think we can probably expect those two to be the same. Outside short of Vettel, just because Christian Horner says that Vettel's not coming, which probably means that he will, knowing Red Bull. So <laughs> that, that's the outside shot for me. Um, anything you have to add to, that, to Red Bull? Yeah, I, th- I think pretty much in line with what you're saying. I, From a Red Bull standpoint, Sebastian Vettel doesn't make sense to me, other than maybe a marketing thing. Mm. Because why would you want at Red Bull what happened at Ferrari, basically? Like, they're just going to have another Vettel-Leclerc situation. Yeah. Just with Verstappen. Mm. Because, like, it, it's just not going to work. And and we, we all see the team sort of gravitating towards having a lead driver and, and, and a strong support. And and that's, you know, nobody, nobody would outright say that, right? But that's all of the teams are gravitating sort of, sort of towards that approach. So that's why it's sort of a toughie with, with Vettel because Ferrari basically said, no, thank you, and now he has nowhere to go. Uh, and I agree with you. Albon has been doing everything um, expected of him, more or less. I think he would want to start getting closer to Max, but I do think he will. I think they need to give him the remainder of this year. Give and him time, yeah. Extend next year. And then at the end of next year, if they realize, you know what, actually Albon isn't going to get any better, then they can say, okay, you know what, let's get another another young driver in here. Because to be frank, they don't really have any other choices or options. Mm. I think what you say is pretty much, and they don't really have any options at the moment, maybe bringing Fiat or Gasly back in, but I don't really see it. I think Albon is a good bet at the moment. Um, but we'll move on to McLaren now. Obviously, we they, they're, they're um, nailed in for 2021 with Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Probably going to be the most entertaining pairing we've seen in a while uh, if things work, kind of work out. It's interesting that um seems that Daniel Ricciardo is just intent on following Carlos Sainz round. So maybe Daniel Ricciardo is going to end up Ferrari, <laughs> um, end up at Ferrari soon. But... Um, McLaren, they've looked good this year. I think luck has played into their hands, sort of in the Austrian and Styrian Grand Prix, also a circuit that Lando Norris is very good at. Because we did see um, Carlos Sainz qualify in third, which is incredibly impressive, but then lacked in race pace. I'm not sure what you think about McLaren for next year. Obviously, with a Mercedes engine, so probably a lot Yeah, I think the Mercedes engine made a massive step up this year, and I think that's really positive for McLaren to have that engine Coming in their in. car. They, no, they're in Renault at the moment. This Mercedes, are they going to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I mean for next year. Yeah, sorry. I mean for next year, I think I agree with you on race pace. I think the car looks very fast in qualifying. Like on low fuel, mm. the car looks really, really quick. Like almost as quick as the Red Bulls, it seems. Yeah. And but then in in, in sort of the race trim on high fuel, they struggle. And I think we saw Hass, you know, despite like the science. Yes, yes. Luckily, not as bad as Hats because I mean, I mean that was a whole other. At least they have brakes. At least they have brakes. Yeah, sure. I mean, poor Hats actually. I mean, they've they've been through the most. Um, But what I would say about McLaren is, I think they they are the they're taking it slow and steady, like Renault is supposed to. Like you can see, McLaren every year they have very specific goals to progress in specific ways in the specific areas. 
and it's manageable, achievable goals. It's mm. not like in three years we will be world champions. <laughs> They're very practical about the fact that it's going to take very long yep. to get right back up there. And they've they've sort of made peace with that. And now they have a very and, and Andreas Seidel and Zach Brown, I think, have been very good in this in this in this sense. Mm. So I think they're taking the same approach with their drivers as well. I mean, they were very smart with getting Norris and Science in that car last year. Still have the same driver lineup this year. Sounds like Science is brilliant with sort of car development. And I think he's really improved. Um, sort of, I think when he came to McLaren, he really worked hard over the winter. He moved to England just so he could be closer to the factory yeah. in a Surrey. I think I think he's really done himself a good job, and I think he'll be eager to do that at Ferrari as well. And then we move on to finally the final team to talk about Mercedes. This would have probably been a longer debate if we hadn't have kind of heard. There's been pretty much rumor that yeah, Bottas if we did this yesterday, got, yeah, I think Bottas has been nailed on for another year. I think I heard um, was it I think was it you and Will who were talking about Bottas that he seems to be good at the start of the season. I think as Will mentioned. And then he just, after he gets a contract, just seems to lose, like, yeah. stop caring and just drop off. But uh, he, he has said, he's come out and said that this is the season he wants to take the fight to Lewis Hamilton. Obviously, he's ahead. Likely, we're going to see Mercedes win pretty much every track this season. Um, as much as I would kind of like Ferrari to win at Mugello. Um, they might be okay there, but due to the twisty nature. But Did you see the straight... Yeah, do that straight. Yeah, they're losing a second on that straight. No problem. Let me let me tell you, <laughs> it's every every place Ferrari were good at last year. They'll be bad this year, basically. Yes. Invert their results last year, and you get an idea of how they're going to finish. <laughs> but we have got Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Um, pretty much nailed on. Anything you want to add there for the final team? Oh, uh, um. Well, yeah. It sounds like the Bottas deal is a done deal. I, if I was Mercedes given that we have another year of the same rigs and with COVID and everything that happened this year, that to me is the pragmatic decision. As much as I want Russell in that Mercedes one day, I mm. think if it was a normal season, maybe there would have been a better chance. They might put him 2022 if Bottas has a poor 2021. I think Russell will be a good chance. Exactly. I think Bottas, the, the, the problem with for Bottas is if Hamilton sticks around, it's I don't think it's going to work out for him, mm. to be frank. And, I mean, there's a couple of, of, of you know, so, sort of the fellow, if you can call it content creators, that feel that, you know, Bottas has what it takes. But my problem is just he's so much slower than Hamilton in the races. Yep. Like, I think he's a good number two. If, he's a good number two. Yeah, and he is fast enough to be in the Mercedes. But the problem is, like, if you compare, Hamilton was within a second of him for, like, 20 laps in the yep. first race after starting fourth. Compare him and He Rosberg. was still there. And then compare last week, where Bartas also started from fourth, and it was like Hamilton was way up the road. So there's still like a massive mm. sort of disparity in, in race pace and just how Lewis manages the races compared to Bartas and his tires and everything. So that's why I'm saying like, except if like Hamilton has a lot of weekends like what he had in the first like the first Austrian Grand Prix then I don't see it happening for Bottas because Hamilton is always going to be, even if he out-qualifies Hamilton more often than not, Hamilton is going to figure it out in the races, I feel. Yeah. So before we get on to the quiz, um, um, I'm just going to ask you a qu and our predictions for the Hungary uh, for the Hungary Grand Prix. 
is it Hungary or is it Germany? I always get confused. I think it might be Germany actually. Um, but um, do you but it should be Hungary, right? Uh, the next one. It's because the German, they're Hockenheim and, and Hungaroring. Oh, they, Hungaroring. They, yeah, it's Hungaroring. Yeah. So it's Hungary. Yes, I was right first time. But um, yeah. <laughs> Racing Point, do you think that George Russell could be a possibility at Racing Point uh, to finish on the teams? Ooh, that's a good question. I think if Mercedes, maybe maybe Mercedes will agree to redesign their, their brakes for their next year again. And, and then, you know, as a trade, they can put George Russell in, in, in the Racing yeah. Point. I think that's actually, I haven't thought about that properly yet. I think that would probably be a brilliant outcome if, if they can get Russell in that racing point yep. next to Perez. I think that's actually a very good idea. But, you must you must go and work at racing point. That's a good idea. <laughs> Thank you. But um, obviously the, uh, the obvious thing for Mercedes to do would be to fire Hamilton and Bottas and then replace them with Pastor Maldonado and Roman Grosjean. I mean, that's what everyone's thinking. That clearly. is the logical choice. But exactly. you know, unfortunately, not everybody's as logical as you, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm just going to do a quick prediction. So I'm going to say the, my top three for qualifying and top three for race. And then, Tennis, you say your top three for qualifying, top three for race. And then you, sure. can, then you can laugh at us how wrong we are because this is going out after the race actually uh, finished the weekend. So I'm going to say for qualifying... I'm going to say uh, Latifi on pot. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm going to say, <laughs> I think it's going to be a Hamilton, ooh, Hamilton Verstappen 1-2, and then a Bottas in P3. And then in the race, I think it will be Hamilton P1, uh, Bottas P2, Mercedes 1-2, easy bet. And then I'm going to go outside, outside shot here, Alexander Albon to get the podium. That sounds reasonable, I think. Um I would say I'm going to be controversial and say Bottas gets pole at ha at the Hungara ring with Hamilton in P2, Verstappen P3. Then for the race, I'm going to flip and I'm going to say Hamilton's going to win win the race. He's really fast around Hung mm. Hungary, so I think Hamilton is going to do do a good job there. I'd say let's let's be boring and say Bottas P two for Stappen P three because that's probably if 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 no no one make has an accident or if no car breaks I'd say that's probably how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. Let's just say if Roman Grosjean I'm gonna go on record here if Roman Grosjean has finished in the top eight I will do I will give away a uh, a random steam uh, a steam whatever you call it key to anyone uh, I'll do a steam key giveaway. If Roman Grosjean finishes in the top eight, but I'm pretty sure I'm safe with my money. So, uh, so Roman Grosjean, Roman Grosjean, if you're listening to this, <laughs> please do it. Do it for the people. <laughs> he he wants to spin. Uh, there's there's lots of corners for him to spin in that race. Yeah, it's it's slightly worrying for him as well, and there's lots of gravel and runoff for him to drive through as well. <laughs> what he like? So Bottas can't cut his grass, but um. Yeah. Let's get into the quiz. So we've we've seen a steady decline in in, in results in the quiz, seeing as I've steadily made them harder each week. Uh, so well, that's encouraging. <laughs> we had nine to start off with Glenn, then eight with Will, then uh, James got seven point five, and then Mike today got six. So can we Wait. beat Mike? Can we beat Mike? So, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Right here we go. We're starting off with. I think I've been quite cruel again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these are quite niche, but are you? Do you have niche knowledge? No. Oh, okay. So let's, let's no try. Hope. 
Um, out of 20, question one, out of 21 races last year, how many did Mercedes win? Ooh, okay. I might be able to answer that. Now I just need to think about if you can give me like a couple of seconds. So Ferociously Bottas, types in Google. <laughs> so Bottas won. Well, let's, let's maybe think who did, which races Mercedes didn't win. I think that might actually be smarter. Brazil. So, so they won the first the first mini. The first race that they didn't win was with Verstappen. When Austria. Verstappen won in Austria. And then Verstappen won in Germany. So that's two. Then Brazil. Leclerc won in Spa. And, and Monza. Monza, which is four. Vettel won in Singapore, which is five. Then the next couple of races, Mercedes won. Brazil for Stappen won, which is six. I would say 15. That is correct. That's brilliant logic. Brilliant logic there. And I'm going to put another Mercedes question. I'll put two Mercedes questions. This is a very niche one. Um, because they are so good at the moment, I thought I would feature them twice. Um, name any of the drivers who last drove for Mercedes in their last season before they re-entered the sport in 2010, uh, which this was in 1955 when it was named Daimler-Benz AMG. So there's an option of one, two, three, four, five, six drivers to choose from. You only need one. One driver that drove for them. Well, I know Sterling Moss drove for them. That's correct. You could have Sterling Moss. Uh, you could have Juan Manuel Fangio, Hans Hermann, uh, Carl Kling, Andre Simon, and Pierre Tarifi. Um, okay. This is one. This is one that you have to get. Um, let's hope you're not. You haven't got your channel analytics page open. Otherwise, you will be able to get this one very easily. But um, <laughs> how many uploads at the time of recording um, does the TF1 show have on YouTube? How many uploads? How many? Ooh, okay. Well, how many episodes do I have, right? So I think my one this week was my 60th, but I had that intro one as what? I didn't upload that. Now I think about it. So it would be 60, and then I had those two impromptu ones that I did for um, the race last week. So I would say 62. According to YouTube, it's 66. Why did I? What, when did I do all of these extra episodes? <laughs> apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> okay, well, look at me outperforming myself. <laughs> just like a and just like a George Russell. Um, yeah. This is enough. Um, so we move on to that. We're currently on course for nine out of ten. Uh, how old is Esteban Ocon at the time of recording? Ooh, that's a very difficult one. Spoke so very highly. Was... Clearly a fanboy, so you must know this one. He's a, he's a contemporary of Verstappen, but I think he's a bit older. How old was he when he – like, he was – when he started, he was also, like, 18 yeah. or 17. Mm -hmm. Okay, and Verstappen is 22 now. I want to say Ocon is 23. I think he's a year yep. older than Max. 23. Okay, we're yeah. flying through these here. This is another – this is an easy one. You better get this one. Which two teams this season are yet to score points at the time of recording and probably not going to score any all season? Uh, Williams yep. and Haas. Correct. I think I kind of gave it away with the nuts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How many wins does Max Verstappen have in Formula One to date? Wait, okay, now I'm going to have to count again. So he won Spain in 2016, and then he won Malaysia in 2017. He won, he won a couple, actually, now. now I'm, I'm going to start counting. He won Austria... Twice, so that's 
four, he won Brazil last year, so that's five. He won Germany and six. I think somewhere I read, now I'm just going to have to guess because I can't remember everything, but I think he won seven. <laughs> it's eight. Eight, ah, oh, then I missed one. I'm trying to think which one I missed. But anyways, so it's okay, it's okay. I still have eight <laughs> out of ten that I can get, so I'll be, Dual level I'll be positive. In which season did the current championship leader at the time of recording, Valtteri Bottas, debut with Williams in Formula 1? With Williams? Rookie season. Okay. Ooh. So 2014 was their strong year, but I think he debuted, I think he started the year before. I think it was 2013. Yep, I can tell you that is correct. Now we move yeah. on to the last two multiple choice questions. How many career points has Carlos Sainz achieved in Formula One? Is it 284, 281, or 280? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you didn't really give me a nice range there. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me think about this. Actually, though, there's no point in thinking, right? Because I know he got like 69 points last year, but I don't know like offhand exactly how many he got years before. So what's the, my options? 284, 281, and 280. Yep. Let's say 281. 280. Ah. Uh, unlucky, unlucky. This such one, is life. <laughs> clearly another driver you are very, uh, you, you like, so hopefully you'll get this one. I've given you a nice range this time, multiple choice-wise. For the final Good. question, how many points has Nico Hülkenberg achieved in Formula 1? Is it 280? Is it 511? Or is it 612? Hoo-hoo. So let's let's do a bit of estimation here, right? So Nick Hulkenberg's first season in F1 was 2009. So how many years was he in the sport? That's about... Ten. Well, ten years, basically. So if it is six, over 600, he would have average, had to average over 60 points a season, which actually... But didn't he... He, he missed out on one year, I think, didn't mm. he? So give me the options again. 280. 511 or 612. Sorry, 6. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so if science... And science has 281, right? And he's been mm. in the sport since 2015. So that's five years and Hulkenberg 10. Okay, I'll go for 511. You are correct. We finished with 7 out of 10, so you beat Mike from F1 Fanatics by 1 point. You're 0.5 behind James Pull. Uh, you're 1 behind... Will from Formula Podcast 1, and you're two behind Glenn uh, from his uh, Twitch stream at eRacer. But um, so well, finally, before we finish, guys, with the recent news, obviously, uh, by the time this comes out, uh, it might be officially announced with Sebastian Vettel um, requesting a private interview with Martin Brundle, which is something pretty rare, which obviously means I'm pretty sure there's going to be an announcement, but we have heard big, big rumours about Sebastian Vettel going to World Racing Point or what would be Aston Martin. And no, what I thought, yes, he could replace Stroll, but no, to replace Sergio Perez, the man who brings in the money, the man who delivers the goods, the, the man who's always, you know, in my opinion, always there. Um, tennis... Do you think this is a good move for Racing Point? Obviously, Aston Martin as a company is not doing so well and they might need a marquee name, but do you think that it's a good idea to just suddenly fire someone who's been so good for the team and been so loyal for them over the years? I think it would be a sideways move 
to be honest. I don't think getting Vettel in that car to replace Perez is going to change much in the team from a results perspective. I think Perez is and has always been a very, very good race driver. He's proven himself to be better almost than the car that he's had over the last couple of years. I mean, he scored how many podiums for that team without that car really deserving mm. it? Eight or something. Yeah, it's, it's like, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I, I get from like a marketing standpoint, maybe, to sort of add a bit more legitimacy to your campaign to become a top team, to say you have a four-time world championship, mm. or four-time world champion in the team. But in terms of like actual performance, I don't think Vettel is going to do any better than Perez is. I'm very sorry. You know, I know he's a four-time world champion and, you know, he he has achieved a lot in his career. But if you look at their performances over, let's say, the last two to three years, I am, it's very difficult for me to say that Vettel has done a better job than Perez, to be quite, to be quite honest. Now... And I think you've alluded to it. It's probably not going to be down to performance, this decision. It's going to be down to marketing and down to image. And obviously, the ideal thing for them would be to let Lance Stroll go and replace him with Sebastian Vettel. Mm. Because to have a Vettel-Perez lineup would be, that would be a statement of intent, I feel. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think, I agree with what you're saying about, I believe that it's just a personal opinion that Vettel is slightly past his sell by date as such. Um... Perez, if you look at what Perez brings to the car, he's obviously bringing in a lot of sponsorship from the Mexican companies. So he's bringing backing there. Uh, so at the moment, they obviously have two big pay drivers. Um, he always has a big, big reputation for, you know, pulling the car by the scruff of its neck and, you know, just getting the absolute everything out of the car, which is something I don't really think is associated with Sebastian Vettel. Obviously, he did that win in the, the Toro Rosso in 2008. You Correct me if I'm wrong, um, Tennis, but... Um, is is that no, association? I agree one hundred percent with what you're saying. I think we we know Sebastian Vettel is incredibly fast on his day, and he has shown that many times. But and we we're definitely going to see that some more this year. He's not the guy that's going to fight in a midfield car from twelfth on the grid to fourth on the grid. That's mm. not just his style. He's never won a race from lower than third on the grid. For context, like that's one of like to me one of the most telling stats about Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, he's a great front runner, but he's not going to be the guy who I feel if Racing Point is going to start in sixth or seventh position, he's not going to be the guy that's going to pull that car to a podium because mm. that's not really the, the 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 area of the grid that he's really comfortable in. Whereas Perez has shown himself to be able to do that on multiple occasions. I feel. Yep, obviously. And then you look at, obviously, we briefly mentioned in the video uh, or the podcast sort of earlier on about um, Renault protesting the uh, RP20's brake discs. But um, obviously, if this uh, protestation is successful, then that could leave Racing Point with a pretty bad car. And obviously, Sebastian Vettel, as you mentioned, is quick, he's good in qualifying. He's never really had that bad a car. He's not really had that experience of of dragging the car and if if the racing point even has to be slower or they have a bad reg change in 2022 uh, you know it could be a really really bad move for that for um Vettel like he might have well have just better been off um retiring because I'm not sure how well he'll do at the back of the grid yeah I guess from Vettel's perspective I think 
let's say if you were Sebastian Vettel and you had three contracts in front of you, with the three contracts being um, Racing Point Haas and um, Alfa Romeo, I would definitely choose Racing Point from his perspective, just because I think that's probably the team that's on, a, on an upswing, mm. despite their little trick with, with the Mercedes copying and everything. I think they have solid backing, they have good investment, that team seems to have a quite a nice long-term future and does seem to have ambitions of really fighting at the top with the, with the money that they have. So I do think from Vettel's perspective, this this is probably the best move for him if he decides he doesn't want to retire. And I don't think he wants to retire, really. But for racing points, like I just feel there are so many arguments to not get Sebastian Vettel. I feel Perez is a known quantity. Like it's, Yep, it's proven like in that car. knows how good he is and what he can do for them. Where with Vettel, it feels like if you look at his CV over the last two years, you're going to have to go back more than the last three seasons at Ferrari mm. to really ju- provide good justification as to why Vettel is going to be a better bet than Perez. It was, almost, it was almost after he got that second, still by quite a considerable margin to Hamilton, uh, that I feel like Vettel's just tailed off and he's just been... He's been pretty uh, like spinning quite a lot. Obviously, then we saw Charles Leclerc beating him, um, beating him last year in the standings, um, in the driver standings. Uh, uh, the the Vettel, uh, I would have thought Vettel that he wouldn't actually um, be willing to just not be in the in a top three car with uh, Sebastian Vettel. That might be the best move for him because who knows? This could all be Racing Point have denied these rumors. Uh, let's not forget that. And who knows, this could all be, you know, just just a bit of um, something leaked that's actually false information. And then the private interview of Brundle um, is going to be said announcing his retirement or his movement to another sport. But oh, the thing that made me always a bit wary of a Seb move, I thought that something would come out was, I'm not sure if you, did you watch the Friday press conference uh, of the Steering Grand Prix? Yeah, 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 I did. He was very... He wasn't even asked about it, but he was very quick to compliment Racing Point quite a few times. He was like, oh, you know, Racing Point, they've got a quick car. Racing Point have got mm-hmm. a good outfit. Um, maybe potentially giving something away. Um, yeah, what also, the thing is that that's probably, you know how they say that where they smoke, there's probably a fire. Mm-hmm. It does feel like, you know, this rumor has not gotten past that initial like tabloid phase where you get some report from a ridiculous, let's say Spanish newspaper reporting something sensational. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like that anymore. This has now been reported like by autosport and motorsport.com, like reputable publications that have probably, you know, that probably would have done some fact checking before making like such a, a big statement. So that's what I'm saying. Like, there's definitely something there. Whether it's gonna result in anything, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I've, I, I'm gonna, if I'm Frank, and I think I tweeted this um, earlier today. Like, I'm gonna be proper cross if they fire Sergio Perez after everything he's done for that team. Mm. Like, I feel that's just a slap in the face, more than anything else. Because if there's one guy that doesn't deserve to lose his seat, I feel it's Sergio Perez. He has a long-term contract. He's done everything the team has asked of him. He's outperformed their wildest expectations. So to now say, oh, well, because Sebastian Vettel is on the market, cheers, Sergio. Like, I would just feel, I don't, I think Aston Martin as a race team would lose 
legitimacy if they did something like this, to be quite frank, yeah. especially if they then keep Lance Stroll in the other seat. Because we saw what happened literally last weekend in the steering Grand Prix. I mean, didn't Perez start 17th and Stroll something like, I don't know, he started 14th or 13th, and Perez was Perez should have a, got fourth just if it about wasn't fourth for the, place, and and Stroll couldn't get past Ricardo. Wasn't for that collision. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my feelings, I guess. That's my thoughts, but yeah, so, I, I think it would be ridiculous. If I'm if I'm looking here at Perez's, if we're looking at sort of his Force India um, sort of career, he's had what? So he's been there since uh, 2014, um, I believe. And he's, I think in that time, he's had about four or five podiums for Racing Point. And then I'm looking at 2014, 59 points, 2015, 78, 2016, 101, 2017, 100, and then 62, then 52. And then so far, he's got 16 this season, which, I mean, it's a short season anyway. But from from what we've seen of that Racing Point car over recent times, that is incredible. And um, I'm... Obviously, as you said, he, he just seems to be able to pull everything out the tires and notoriously a brilliant tire manager. Yeah, and I mean, Sergio Perez, literally, I would gladly say that he was one of the top drivers last year. If you had to go look at over the whole season of 2019, Sergio Perez was up there. I'd say, I think, like, I think on one of my podcast episodes, I think in my season review episode, I did like a top five list of drivers for the season. And I think I put Perez in number five. And the only people I put ahead of him were uh, Leclerc, Verstappen, Hamilton and Sainz, mm. who were the sort of the, the breakout stars. So Perez is and ha- like he has been such a strong driver for that team where you can't say that about Sebastian Vettel. And, and you look at Sebastian Vettel's racing record. So he, 2017, 20 races, five wins um, and four other podiums. He's in a Ferrari, he's in a top car. And then we look at 2019, when we obviously saw when that Ferrari was an absolute rocket because there was something, they were obviously exposed to a loophole or something in the rules. He only got one win out of 21 races and he got he got quite a few points, but in a car like that... Oh, Ferrari, uh, Ferrari, the first he would argue two wins, but let's not get into that. <laughs> but to be in such a fast car and to be... You know, to be outscored by um, a teammate whose first year in Ferrari, he was also quite inconsistent last year. And there, were, there was a point when he was on top of the world, and there were other points where he, I think, it was Baku that he crashed into the castle sector. But um, he's obviously notorious for his spinning. I just, I just can't see this working for Racing Point, to be honest. Because also, if we, uh, how long do you think Racing Point sign him on a contract? How long do they want him for? For Vettel, I'd probably sign a two-year contract if I had to imagine. And I agree. Like, the thing is, I think it can work, right? I think I can imagine a world or universe where Sebastian Vettel and Racing Point get along very well and the car is good and Vettel is good and they do very well together. But if you had to take a risk-adjusted approach here or a risk-adjusted view and calculate the probability of Perez and Racing Point doing well versus the probability of Vettel and Racing Point doing well, I would be inclined to say the probability of Perez doing well is higher. Mm. So that's why I would say stick with the guy you know. He, he knows that team inside out. The team loves him. The team trusts him. Yeah. And this is the guy that has beaten Nico Hulkenberg, Esteban Ocon. He's beaten quality drivers as, the, as his team. So... Uh, obviously, we've seen Nick Hulkenberg, a very talented driver, left out of a seat for this season. This 
we don't really are there any drives for Sergio Perez? Maybe a Haas drive. Where would he go? And if not, where does this leave Sergio Perez? Would he be able to come back? So I think it might actually be quite interesting with with Alfa Romeo or Haas, either one of the two, because I think having Perez in the team could solve a couple of problems for these teams because we all know that Kimi Raikkonen is potentially on his way out, which means they would need a more experienced driver in that seat, especially if they are looking at promoting some of the Ferrari juniors. And and I think this argument can hold for, for both Haas and for Alfa Romeo, where, you know, Haas probably with Roman Grosjean, you know, it's been fun, it's been real, it's been real fun, but like Grosjean's probably not going to be in the sport much longer. So Perez could be a good replacement for somebody like Roman Grosjean mm. or Kimi Raikkonen. So I can see that happening. However, with the fact that they are linked to Ferrari, both of these teams, and as we've already said, Ferrari has an incredible amount of talent in that junior program of theirs, might not be necessarily keen to fill up a seat with somebody like Sergio. So it could also quite easily happen that he's without a seat for next year. And then in terms of coming back, it's going to be really difficult. I mean, we've seen Fernando Alonso, you know, he he initially said he's going to take a year out and it's been two years. And Mm. I mean, he is one of the all-time legends of the sport and he has now scraped his way back into a Renault where I don't think, and, and the same holds for Hulkenberg. I don't think this, you know somebody like Perez or Hulkenberg would get another chance, except in in like a, a bizarre circumstance. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. It'd be really, really a shame to see um, Sergio Perez leave this sport for Sebastian Vettel. Probably wouldn't even be in that team for uh, that long. But that is pretty much all I've got to say. Um, well done again for beating Mike in the quiz. If that's an achievement for you. Thank you. It is one of my greatest achievements. <laughs> I'll like put to... it on my CV on LinkedIn. <laughs> Would you like to say anything else um, about your channel? Any future plans? Anything that we could be excited for to uh, go and check out? Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to go have a listen, please do. I have many guests on. Uh, you know, I try and have somebody new for for every race recap. We recap all of the races, and then I guess. In, 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 given that we have such a, a packed schedule, that's probably going to be the majority of the episodes coming up. But there might be some interesting features here or there, maybe something about the junior drivers. You know, we've spoken about them briefly on this episode, maybe digging a bit deeper into, you know, the, the talent pools that these big Formula One teams have in store. Yep. So also, you make sure, guys, that you do go and check out um, Tennis and TF1 show. Uh, you can find him TF1 show on YouTube. Is it the same on Apple and Spotify as well? Yes, so Apple, Spotify, Overcast, basically any podcast platform that you can think of. It's probably going to be on there. And if you if you want to, uh, you can check him out on Twitter. I believe at TF1 uh, show without a W. Yes, yes, because for some inexplicable reason, the one with the W was already taken. But, I mean, we will adapt and we will overcome. <laughs> Brilliant. But that is pretty much all I've got to say uh, for this week. It's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on tennis. We, we've uh, going as well. This has gone so well. Maybe we'll just have you every year for the driver predictions. But uh... Would love that. Would love to do that. But uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. Please do feel free to, drop if you're on YouTube, drop a little like, um, drop a little comment. Tell us 
Um, tell us your thoughts about kind of the driver moves, Perez, whatever you want to talk about. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Fergie Master. Um, you can, if you're on Spotify and Apple, drop the follow, drop the subscribe. If you're on Apple, drop a little five star rating. That really, really does help me out. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone watching. Uh, I hope you guys all stay safe and I hope you're all really well. And bye bye. Cheers.